So will South Korea become a new habitat for red fire ants, an insect with a very painful sting, apparently, that can cause severe allergic reactions, including breathing problems that lead sometimes in very sad situations to death in humans. So uh, on Sunday, the Agricultural Ministry announced that they'd found over 700 red imported fire ants after inspecting Inchon Port's container yard, in addition to 70 of them found last Friday. Uh, It's been a month since more than 700 discovered also at uh, Pyeongtaek Port and thousands in a shipping container in Busan. Uh, The government's designated 10 ports nationwide as intensive management spots for quarantine, deciding to use insecticides and baits in 34 container yards nationwide. But since last September, this has been a trend that seems to be an uphill battle, maybe an impossible battle, um, despite these very stringent efforts, especially as in the recent discovery at Inchon, for the first time, was a red ant queen. Let's bring in Robert Puckett, extension entomologist at Texas A&M University. Thank you for taking the time. You're very welcome. Good morning. And South Korean officials have actually asked your institution for assistance, haven't they? Uh, What is it about Texas A&M that uh, offers expertise in red fire ants? Well, in in fact, they have. And I I think... Uh, what makes us uh, attractive to countries that uh, find themselves dealing with a new invasion of these ants is the fact that we've had many faculty members over the past uh, few decades that have been focused on trying to enhance our ability to manage these these ants <clears throat> in the U.S. and elsewhere. Um, in the U.S., of course, they're, they're a longstanding problem. They came in in the 1930s, and so they're well entrenched, and so... So really the work that we do is, is working to improve our ability to manage populations of those ants, sort of a marginally speaking. And where did they come from to the U.S.? Yeah, so they're native to South America, Argentina to Brazil. Um, and, uh, yeah, they came up along shipping routes into the first discovery of these ants in, in uh, North America was in uh, Mobile, Alabama, a port city, which is a a consistent theme. Uh, These ants are often discovered in new infestations in new countries, um, uh, working their way through uh, port cities. We should point out that human death is very rare, a very rare complication of being stung. So why is it such a concern, the red fire ant? Well, um, yeah, I I guess I should, should stress the point that while um, we suffer uh, a number of deaths in the U.S. annually. It's a very small number, typically. Um, <clears throat> some people are simply hypersensitive to their sting, and that's the case for really all stinging insects. There's a segment of any population that, that uh, may be, as I say, hypersensitive um, to the sting and, and uh, succumb to the venom of those animals. Um, and so if we separate that from the discussion, um, they, they are a nuisance animal. They cause lots of ecological problems in the systems that they invade. They outcompete uh, native organisms for resources. Um, they uh, impact our agriculture through effects on livestock, particularly newborn livestock. Um, and uh, they cause lots of electrical problems. So they're, they're, they tend to be attracted to electrical devices and uh, in many cases short them out and cost a lot of money and 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 they're just sort of a an insidious part of our 
existence now in the southern United States. It's it's why I tell people it's one of the few pests that that I can talk to anybody about in the southern U.S. and they know them. You know, there's lots of insect pests that folks are simply unaware of, um, but that's not the case with red imported fire ants. And and you know, we exist at a time now where folks go from cradle to grave. Um, being exposed to red imported fire ants, and in, in particularly in the southern United States, and of course out in the the western U.S. and, and along our eastern seaboard states. Yeah, I mean here in Korea, it's generally the situation that we don't have any concerning animals when it comes to bites and stings. There are certainly very few mm-hmm. problematic uh, mm-hmm. wildlife. Mm-hmm. Um, in in the case of red fire ants, though, I mean, looking at a, a list of the most painful insect stings in the world, it's a, a curious subject. Mm-hmm. The bullet ant actually is often rated as the worst, but the red harvester ant is up there in the top five. Um, yeah, ants I've are... been stung by one of those. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, just how bad is that? If someone was to come across a red fire ant and and actually be stung by one, if they weren't among the very sensitive members of the population, what would be the likely outcome? Well, if that person were lucky enough to be stung by a single ant, um, it's quite painful. There's a burning sensation that lasts for quite some time, 15 minutes or so. Um, and then within 24 hours or so, often a pustule forms as the body walls off the area that's been envenomated by the alkaloid venom of, of red imported fire ants. <clears throat> and then, of course, that tends to scab over and, and can leave that person. Once the skin breaks, the scab breaks, leaves the person uh, open to secondary infection. But the reality is oftentimes stings happen when somebody encounters a mound, a colony of red imported fire ants. And in that situation, often there are uh, dozens, if not hundreds, of ants that climb onto their leg or extremity or whatever part of their body has come in contact with the mound. And so often you, you receive multiple stings, many stings simultaneously. And that would be not just extremely painful, but potentially entering the, the realm of danger for, for sensitive individuals based on what you said before. But um, coming back to the method of of actually trying to control this, you've been to Australia, you've Mm -hmm. worked with the Queensland government Mm -hmm. to uh, help eradicate red fire ants using a method called biocontrol. Can you tell us more about that? Well, so so my work, my personal research deals with biocontrol using a, a, a suite of parasitic flies that are the major natural enemy of red imported, one of the major natural enemies of red imported fire ants in the native range. <clears throat> now, we've released those in the United States. That's not the case in, in uh, Australia. So in Australia, the focus at present is the use of insecticidal baits for, for fire ants. <clears throat> and that's actually something that's very commonly used here in the U.S., um, from homeowners to large landowners, et cetera, and folks who manage parks and recreation facilities, um, the insecticidal baits are really our, our key tool for managing <clears throat> these ants. But it seems like a pretty hardy insect. And now, with the arrival of the first queen, thankfully it was actually discovered at Inchon, but it makes you wonder if there are any other queens hidden away. Uh, does it raise the prospect that we're fighting a battle that we'll eventually lose here in Korea? Not necessarily. Um, w- in my experience, once... Once a country realizes that they're dealing with these ants, there's typically a very rapid response because of the fact that, that now the, the worldwide folks that pay attention to these sorts of things know the problems that these ants could bring to their country. So 
their radar is up, they're looking for them. When they're discovered, typically the reaction is, is very fierce, um, and oftentimes spot infestations can be eradicated. But then, of course, that doesn't mean that, that you, you can let down your guard and, and discontinue surveillance for new infestations in advance because they're, they're quite likely to keep coming and keep showing up. Um, they stow away in, in um, uh, shipping, uh, along shipping routes and cargo, um, <clears throat> all sorts of cargo, shipping containers, et cetera. So, yeah. you know, we, we, we can't let our guard down. Um, those countries who have, who have discovered them and eradicated them are, are in the process of doing so. Once that, that job is done, the next step is to enhance the surveillance. Because, you know, obviously once they've gotten in, then, of course, it, it presents the, the reality that there is a threat. But, but we're talking and, about uh, quarantine officials who are not necessarily wildlife or even insect Mm-hmm. experts uh and and it mm-hmm. almost seems like a needle in a haystack if you consider the size of a shipping container and the size of an ant how do they it's physically, a difficult proposition yeah how do they physically go around trying to spot yeah. them yeah well so often the ants will um uh typically they they exist in pretty conspicuous uh, conspicuous situations so they're mound building ants not all ants are these build conspicuous earthen mounds. Um, so when they're associated with, a, say, a um, you know, shipping container, for instance, and if they leave that, that situation and, and <clears throat> move out into the surrounding terrain, they will establish their colony in the soil and then, of course, build a mound that's typically very visible. Um, so the first step is, is knowing what to look for, thinking about the countries from which the, the cargo is coming, the, those that are infested with red imported fire ants, the United States, Taiwan, now Japan, as well as Australia and, and South Korea. <clears throat> and, and so there's ways to sort of hone in and, and uh, make surveillance more efficient. But yes, as you say, it is quite a daunting task. Well, it makes me wonder what else can sneak on these shipping containers and call <laughs> South Korea their home. But that's yeah. a conversation for another day. We're out of time. Robert Puckett, right. thank you very much for joining us today. You're very welcome. Take care and good luck.